Hey everybody, how y'all doing? This is Ben. And I'm Dak. And we together are the guys who did this. And today we will be continuing our journey through the expanse, book two, with chapters of six through eleven. Warning, we will be covering adult subjects and discussing spoilers for both the books and the TV show. So many spoilers. Lots so of spoilers. Many. If you don't want to be spoiled, you should probably come to the wrong turn this place. Right off. Yeah, you know, find a new dad. Place. Don't get more. Don't get mad at us for spoiling. True. True. We've got a fantastic episode today coming up. In my opinion, all our favorites are back. Also, you get to do podcast with Ben and Dak are back. Yeah. You get to do I your still, first uh, Holden chapter. I think I had one last week. Well, okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow, huge downer immediately. <laughs> You're right. I think it's going to be late. Never mind. <laughs> no, but I was, the, what I was going to say is that I still have not gotten to do an Avasarala chapter, which absolutely <laughs> fucking sucks. Well, when you pronounce a name like that, I, it's fair. Oh, do you what? not do one in this chat? In this sub? Book? I guess not. No, I get a freaking Prax chapter, which I, sucks. Wow, <laughs> gotta do my boy Prax dirty like that. My boy, my bias is showing. <laughs> Not good. Your bias is showing. Yeah, just like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we've got we've got quite the quite the list here. Things are starting to slowly heat up. We're learning things. We're uncovering things. We're discussing things. Yep. It's going to be great. Yep. In my personal opinion. But yeah, here we go. Are you ready? It, yes. Unless you're talking you sure? to them, in which. No, no, I'm talking to you. I don't know if they're ready. They're probably not answering. You don't think so? Okay. We're ready. <laughs> chapter six. Holden. In this chapter, we have our boy James Holden. Our fantastic crew members, Naomi and Amos, they are waiting in a ship called the Sim... Uh, ooh, this one's going to be brutal. I, you're going to have a hard time with this one, too, I think. The Somnambulist. We are in orbit over Ganymede, we learn. And they are waiting to... They have a shipment of food from Tycho Station, and they are our crew is waiting to land to share food with the refugees there. We learn that Alex is in the Rasinante, out in... Uh, about a million kilometers from Jupiter. I cannot, I don't understand how far away that is. My brain can't comprehend that. But suffice to say, no one's finding Alex. They're a little worried about the Rasinante getting taken. So they didn't go to Ganymede in that ship. Uh, it takes them a long time to dock. There's a lot of delays. There's some inspections. But eventually they do get down to the, uh, the surface of Ganymede and their little travels are complete. So some of the interactions and some of the scenes in this chapter, we start off with, we learn that Holden, Naomi, and Amos are going under pseudonyms. They're, uh, they're disguised because... Disguised. Exactly. Holden has grown out a patchy beard from what we, <laughs> we learn, which is impressive this... for our, our captain. Oh, captain, my captain. 
Yeah, I don't understand how this works at all. And later they do make fun of him for trying to disguise himself like this. But it's like, he's like the most famous dude in the galaxy right now. And all, all of them should be, right? Like They're all, well, I don't know if anyone knows what like Naomi and Amos. I guess the other, like. the other people have the luxury of not being on a video feed for everyone to see. But I still feel like they're like, like I feel like you know like, yeah, Holden rolls with this big like botched butchy dude this uh this belter woman and uh martian guy like the fact that three of them like match the description seems a little sus in my opinion very very sus yeah and think about like people that you know growing if they grew a beard would you not recognize them no yeah like if i was gonna say lebron james you would recognize them immediately yeah, and like well, anybody famous, like do if you put a beard on them, it's not like, <laughs> who is that? It's like, this is like the whole Kent Clark thing. Superman, he's like, puts on the glasses, puts on glasses, and everybody's like, what? Messes up he his hair a little. He just becomes a normal, normal dude. Absolutely wild. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's, you know, that's what's going on. They also, I mean, they do have pseudonyms and like fake doc logs so like um you know everyone probably doesn't know maybe like exactly what he looks like I, and we learned there's fake names i don't and know i you know i don't know i'm thinking maybe and also this guy's like investigating a bunch of ships he's not looking for holden i think they are though i mean we learn later that they're like yep we got holden like i think they are they've been told like yo if holden's anywhere near here let us know fucking, please let us know because this guy is fucking his he's gonna cause problems <laughs> yeah like yeah that's fair but basically we have we have our disguises uh we're trying because we learn that in order to get to ganymede you have to go through uh a an inspection of some sort and it's the un mm -hmm. and mars are both kind of also wild quarantining ships yep, that un and mars ganymede. are doing this together after they just blew up a bunch of ships of each other Working together. They seem to... This is a common thing, right? They they shoot first, and then they're like, Oh, dude, sorry. We yeah. Wrong. It's, that, doesn't that suck? And then they're like, Okay. A well, little wild. Stop. That happened in the last book and in this book. This one... I mean, this one, it happened within like a few minutes, and then they're like... Uh, two days later, they're like, Oh, Whoopsies. oh yeah, we didn't need to do this. This was unfortunate. So, yeah, not ideal. But now they're just working together. Now they're now they're buddy buddy. I think that maybe the uh well I don't you don't has this gotten around has word gotten around that there's like a giant monster blue monster running around? No, I think there's rumors, but no, like the general public definitely does not know. It's like nothing unites people more than like a common enemy, so that would probably. I think help. they both do kind of know from the Avasarla chapters. They're like, uh, some weirds going on here. Well, the UN definitely like the government as a whole knows. Yeah, they know. I mean, and the Martian government knows too. So kind of, but yes, and and yeah, cool. and then also, Avasaro is like, yeah, there's fifty different angles of this thing. Like, if not one of them leaks, she would be surprised. So like, I feel like there's rumors, yeah. if not leaks, that something weird's going on. So yeah, yeah, that would help explain why they're able to do this. But yeah, basically, they are are. Our group gets to their point where they're about to get inspected. Um, the captain and six UN Marines come onto their ship uh, to do this inspection, to do the, like the log inspection of what they're carrying, what they're hauling. Um, 
you know, I mean, this kind of makes sense. You would, they're trying to make sure that what's coming, it's the same thing with trucks. You, you just make sure that the stuff in the truck is what is actually said is in the truck so that <laughs> make sure it's not illegal stuff or whatever. Um, and yeah, Naomi is the pretending to be the captain of the somnambulist who died in a pirate attack recently, Rowena Estancia. R.I.P. Rowena Estancia. Um, Wild. And she goes to show around the the lieutenant that is kind of the leader, the main inspector of this group, leaving Amos and Holden with the six Marines. Man. Just kind of just chilling. Also. Which is great. Yeah. Naomi's, <laughs> the fact that Holden's like worried about the dude flirting with Naomi when they're like trying red to break flag. through. Red flag. We, <laughs> I'm throwing the red flag. Holden, my guy. Jesus Christ. You, should, you can't be worried about that right now. It's all, yeah, just, uh, yeah. He, got, he doesn't even flirt. Yeah, it's not, he like laughs at he her joke. I like, he says, Innocent. I like the name of the ship. <laughs> he's flirting. And Holden's like, wow, fuck this guy. And I also like, he's so <laughs> clueless that he looks at Amos as like, dude, are we gonna beat this guy up? Like, <laughs> like and Amos just like, of course, stares there blankly. And then later has to, as we learn, cover for him, kind of. Yeah, also, literally the other thing, Naomi tells the guy a joke, and the lieutenant laughs at it, and Holden's like, wow, he's flirting with her. Can you believe <laughs> this when guy? When Naomi was the one that told the joke. <laughs> Wild. Wow. I love Holden. What a guy. He's, he's got some issues, but yeah. He's that's that's good messed guy. up. But he's messed up. It's all right. He's he'll. Well, I don't think he will get better. But that's he okay. does get better in this book. He has an arc in this book, uh, of slow trajectory towards non Miller. They try to paint him as Miller, and then he gets better. He's dumb. Miller's a hero. <laughs> no, we all know Miller's a loser. There's multiple wow. points in this uh, thing where he's like, "Dang, I'm doing the Miller thing again." Yeah, hype. Right. Which is the hype thing to do. Yeah, it's the fucking rad thing to do if you're doing the miller thing yeah and then uh the amos lines are good yeah that's what i was gonna so amos uh it's it's noted that holden's very nervous with these marines because he's always nervous <laughs> um he's bad. and amos is like yo all right i need to tell some jokes because we learned at the end of this chapter that he realized holden was extremely fucking nervous and holden has like we said earlier, a very recognizable face. So he takes some action and he basically starts like taunting the Marines. He says that uh, he's like, hey, those suits are so tight. How do you itch your nuts? And they don't respond. They basically say no words the whole time. He's like, my theory is that they must chop your balls off <laughs> in order to get the suit done. I love uh, it. And then there's another joke that I'm not going to repeat because it's kind of offensive, honestly, but um, it's okay. And the basically the end of this is the one of the Marines like steps towards Amos because he finally got mad enough to do that. Amos, of course, because of Amos fucking steps towards him as well. It went like that's really dumb, but that's very much Dude, what he would do as well. The fact that um, Amos doesn't die at all in this is wild. In so my opinion. That's what basically He's so bold. right when the so they they. Naomi and the captain get, and the lieutenant get back. They were had they were chopping up. They're having a great time. They're laughing. They're smiling. Um, 
the the marine immediately is like, oh, yep, captain's back or lieutenant's back. I gotta I gotta cool it. I gotta relax. So they step down. After that, they get off the 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 lieutenant and the marines get off the ship, and then Amos is like, or Holden is like, dude, what the fuck? Why did you do that? And Amos like, what what? And uh, he's like, Amos like almost killed us. Why? <laughs> what the fuck, Amos? And then um, Amos says. Dude, you're a good guy, but you just you have no poker face, basically. Like, you're so nervous. Even I started to think he was up to something. I got their attention. And, dude, the other thing, unless, unless you touch their weapon, the Marines can't shoot. So he basically knew that he wasn't going to get shot. Um, Wild. And he's like, yeah, and so now, if when they go back, the Marines are going to be like, yeah, this one dude was such a fucking idiot. Uh, and they're never going to mention Holden or have even thought about him. Not and true. Holden's like, wow, that was great. How smart, but yeah, it's not necessarily true. Um, but yeah, eventually after this, they uh, we fast forward a little bit, and they've been waiting for three hours to dock. We learned that a bunch of ships have been leaving port and preventing people from docking. And Naomi and Holden call the the dock people, and they're like, "Hey, sorry, yeah, we have a bunch of ships that need to leave. Uh, we've got a crap ton of Dude. food shipments that need to leave." Um, and I was like, up. what? Like, we've got, we're trying to deliver food because there's a bunch of starving people on the ship. <laughs> and the, this guy in the dock's like, yeah, the corporations technically own this food. So they got a lot of money tied up in it and they're trying to get it shipped out to sell it. And <laughs> Naomi and Holden are like, Naomi and Holden, they just hang up after this. And Amos is just like, why does this surprise you guys? <laughs> which is fantastic. Which is like, you know, in a chapter of great lines for Amos, this is my favorite one. Amos has the best lines um, throughout the whole series, yes. in my opinion. Like, why? He has a lot of good ones. Like, but it's like totally big. I could see this happening in our world, to be honest. Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure it does. Um, I don't Yeah, it's just, uh, it's crazy. I could see it happening even for the purpose of, like, I don't know. People just, like, sometimes drones that just, like, do what, what like, their purpose yeah. is. Like, so I could see, like, the shipping people be like, yep, just keep trying to send out food <laughs> and not realizing that they should, like, be trying well, to save people. For sure, yeah. I mean, there are uh, other jobs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yep. It sucks all around, but it, it's cool. It points out cool thing. It's, like, really on the nose, right? Like, yeah. it's not, like, trying to imply anything. It's just, like, saying, like, yeah, here, this is it. Here it is. But it is, it is good. It's effective. It shows the general shittiness of, like, effective. Where some capitalism mega can take you, where some megacorps can take yeah. you, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. So eventually, after another hour of waiting, uh, they do end up getting approval to land. And as they're kind of lowering towards Ganymede, they can see some very clear signs that there was a battle. There's a big black line of a ship that went down on the surface of Ganymede. They see one of the um, dome, the garden domes that we know that we're familiar with, that is totally oh. shattered, which Holden notes that it looks like uh, one of these, uh, the saddle or the mirrors that was in orbit around Ganymede fell into it. Um, two huge, massive endeavors and, and pieces of technology that are just totally fucked now, um, which is not ideal. Those made a lot of food or a lot of the belt. And that sucks. So when we land, we get to our last little scene in this chapter. Um, there's like a, a customs guy that walks into their thing one more time. He's like, can I see your manifest? And Holden's immediately like, we hold Naomi's like, we already sent the manifest. And Holden's like, okay, this is, this guy's not a real customs guy. 
Uh, he kind of notes that they're not really wearing official um, court authority clothing, and the security guards are not. They don't look like real security guards from what he thinks. So basically, Holden does a, a classic Holden thing and just like kind of walks up to them, pulls his gun out, and is like, I know this is a shakedown. We're not giving you shit. Um, I'm going to have Amos, this huge guy back here, beat the shit out of you. Mm. <laughs> and Amos, again, fantastic lines from Amos. He's like, Amos, how does that feel about you? <laughs> or how does that feel to you? And Amos is like, you know, it's not really bullying. It's just it's stress relief, honestly. And that's great. And then Holden's like, how angry does it make you that this guy wants to steal from the refugees? Because essentially, it's some, Holden is thinking that this guy is going to look at their manifest or say like, oh, hey, you've got some extra things that were listed here. They're going to move some stuff out. And uh, the understanding that Holden is familiar with these shakedowns and that he knows that those things will basically go onto a black market at that point. Um, and so, you know, he's like, how angry does that make you, Amos? And it was like pretty fucking angry. And because Amos is a large dude, I think this threat makes sense. And he's like, this gun is here to make sure the two other guys don't interfere. While Amos just crazy, <laughs> which is amazing. And then they just kind of get out. And then those three guys just kind of get out of there because they don't, don't want fuck to with that. Amos. Extremely fucking funny. I Amos love does that this. Or Holden does this a lot. He just like uses Amos as like a uh, a weapon, the, a literal weapon. <laughs> Especially in the fourth book, man, it gets yes. Uh, yeah, he's he just the, he uh, really uses the Amos as the enforcer. He, yeah, he's he's the enforcer for the team. Yeah, it up. totally. Mm-hmm. It's the, the exact lines for Holden are like. The customs guy is like, you think you can bully me? <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm not going to bully you. And then Amos is like, it's not bullying. Really, which is true for him, straight up, because Amos is, has no feelings. Amos really. has issues, and he needs to get him, get him out there. But, but yeah, uh, that's our first uh, that's our first folding chapter. The gang arrives on Ganymede. The gang's all here. Well, and we're and almost, the, uh, we almost already meet up with another character of the same point of view. Right, the it's not one, like I book love one. Yep. Um, although I don't think does I, th- I guess Bobby and Avasara meet, but then uh, I don't think they all get in the same place. Out. Oh yeah, they all... do. They do. They do. They do. They do. What? They hundred percent do. At the end of the book. At the very but, end. Yeah, but like some sort of Star Wars style celebration. No, mm-hmm. like do you not remember how this book goes? Yeah, they they definitely do. I won't won't go into it now, but they're definitely all on the same ship at the end. Um. However, for right now, we're doing uh, Mr. Prax. So, quick summary in this chapter. Uh, Prax is going through it. Um, he has a little, what you want to call it, routine now that he goes through, trying to find his daughter. Super depressed, super upset. Um, meets up t- with his a friend of May's. Like, not a friend of May's, the dad of a friend of May's. Um, and they say that they're leaving. Says he should come too. They have a little fight. Um, and leaves Prax actually pretty beat up. Um, but uh, Prax decides to leave. And then keeps going about his day trying to find May. It's it's honestly uh, it's a depressing chapter. Um, Go talk to your friend. Punch him. He kicks his shit out of you leave it's brutal and then you also get some good visuals of what's happening on ganymede like it's all fucked up he says he's waiting at the at the beginning he's waiting at the security center and there was apparently a two-hour line just to like talk to like the help desk which is not good like i feel like there shouldn't be a two-hour line to talk to the police 
Um, yeah. But it also says that Prax waited for two hours to to talk to the police for his daughter. So he is like, he's in like, I don't know what you want to call it mode, like panic, um, uh, panic. There's a better word for this, like shock, kind of, where he's like, his only focus right now is to find his daughter, which is kind of understandable. Um, right. Because like we said, he lost like, he lost his like whole point of life in his research, and then he lost his daughter, which is like his other point of life. So he's really going through it right now. Um, so yeah, he's. It says he's like not eating and and stuff like that, which is well, uh, well nobody's eating because they can't really like, find oh, food. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 he doesn't even notice because he's so um, messed up trying to find his daughter. Uh, pretty pretty brutal. Uh, we learn, of course, Earth and Mars have stopped fighting. Um, but yeah, Ganymede's all even worse down on the ground than it looked, looked in the air. Um, there's, we learned that people are trying to get out of there, uh, and that like, so if somebody had like a good job, he's like his colleagues would spend their whole life savings just to get on ships out of there, uh, which makes sense. Cause you either, if you don't get out of there, you're going to starve kind of, um, it's, it's a full blown. I mean, we learn quickly that it is an absolute crisis. It's a disaster. On Ganymede, yeah, like it's a humanitarian. Because it's crisis not like right you can't, like, well, they do have shipments of food that are apparently leaving, but you can't just like it's not on Earth. Like, so if like a hurricane happens on on in like whatever all the hurricanes that have happened, like it's it's very bad, obviously, and a bunch of people die. But they can ship food in and eventually help people. Whereas here is like the longer it goes on, the worse it gets because you. It's hard to ship food in for enough people when you're in freaking space. So yeah, it's 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 like ten times worse. Um, but yeah, people are trying to stow away. It's uh, on ships if they're poor and can't afford tickets. It's uh, pretty bad, pretty bad. Um, and then man, we get we get more more info on May's condition. I believe. Um, and how she's her body has has an immune system but it doesn't have the alert system to to sound it off so if she doesn't get um if she doesn't get uh her drugs that like basically give her that alert system she's gonna die uh within a couple weeks so doesn't bode well for (laughs) for her survival um but prax is kind of denial because we learn when prax is talking with uh I love his name. They call him May. Calls her. Uh, how do you pronounce this word? Katoa. Katoa. Katoa Daddy. Good. Katoa Daddy. Which makes sense. Well, I was like, why is she calling him Katoa Daddy? But it's literally Katoa's daddy. Right. Which makes more sense. But Katoa Daddy's May. cool. May honestly maybe smarter than Prax. May- <laughs> maybe. Bazia. I love Bazia. Interesting. I wonder if this minor character ever returns. Good. All these characters could return, maybe. Bazia, yeah, I call her Katoa Daddy because it's a cool name. I hope to be called Katoa Daddy. You just call him Katoa Daddy? That's really funny. What? Yeah, why not? That's how you refer to him in your brain. Yeah. Yeah, man. Katoa Daddy. I want somebody's kid. Man, that sounds weird. Never mind. (laughs) Undo. (laughs) Undo. We're leaving that in. You can't, you're not editing that. Control Z. (laughs) I didn't finish the statement. But um, so yeah, it's it's this is like heavy stuff because Katoa Daddy's like he's given up. He's like my kid's dead. It's over. We gotta look out for ourselves and get out of here. Which honestly, smart. Like <laughs> like uh, probably the best outlook uh, if I'm being honest. 
Um, they have a place on Luna they've they can go to. Um, and he offers Prax to go too, but Prax is of course in oh uh, I don't know what do you, what do you want to call it? shock mode, still trying to find his daughter, and he's like, No, you can't just give up on your kid like that. Um Yeah, shock denial, whatever you Yeah, want denial, that's a good one. I like that. Um But yeah, just just uh heavy stuff right here between two friends. They get in a fight. Uh Prax is probably he's gonna get killed, to be honest, if the if the daughter didn't step in. Um, they also use the word, if I, like, they use the word, Prax, like, looks like up, this. and he's like, all I could see was her ass. But <laughs> I don't know why they said it like I, that. I don't know why horrible. they used the word ass there. We had that, again, what I skipped over earlier was kind of, like, a little bit of a gay joke, and so I didn't want to repeat that. We have that, and then we have this phrasing where, yeah, I... I don't know why they did this. <laughs> All I could see was the kid's ass. <laughs> we like, learn later right. she's clearly like uh she's like a high schooler or younger at this point. We don't know her definitely name. Definitely a kid. Again, definitely. We, do, uh, we get yeah. to know her a lot better in a later book. Um There's no defending. This. I don't know why it's they had to weird. say that. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking weird. All I could see was her ass. That, I don't know. Funny. But like it's a visual that you just don't concerning. want. Concerning. Yeah, I don't know. Slightly Very, concerning. I didn't like it either. It immediately you read it and you're like, ooh, that ooh. Your brain's like, <laughs> ooh. that felt that didn't taste good. Or that, <laughs> didn't, that didn't feel right. Yeah, so. not not great. Um and yeah, but Prax didn't die. Although he was beat up quite a bit because he's freaking there's a line where he's like, I drank milk and realized I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> like I needed to eat something. He's um, in a bad way. Yeah, Prax is clearly effed up. Um, and Katoa, Katoa Daddy's trying to just help him out, uh, but he he doesn't take it. Even back at trying his room, so he goes back to his room, his hole, Prax's hole, and sleeps it off. Wakes up and like considers he's like, you know what? I should go apologize and try to get off this rock. But then he like looks at his phone sees the checklist that he made that he does every day going to check like the parks the police and all that and is like nope gotta keep at it which is i mean it works out in the end but if we're if we're just going by the info we have for prax like not a good move he should probably take care of himself um and figures his life out but yeah really depressing chapter um a lot of the prax chapters are depressing yeah, Prax is... Which, I mean, they are... I mean, it's for him because of the state he's in, but also just because of how much we learn, you know, the people on Ganymede are just just totally suffering without without really, it seems like, a whole lot of help on the way. So... Yeah, a lot of issues with, yeah, Ganymede and then Prax himself um, not well adjusting, which you can't really blame him for the reasons we already said, but... Uh... Just really going through it right now. So having tons of, you know, starving people, not with not a lot of shipments of food, especially when you are literally a station known for growing and supplying food to a lot of different uh like stations, uh, has gotta be A, very weird. I mean, and then B, you also essentially we kind of learned that like the military's kinda like shut this place down. Like you can't really get off, you know? Um, oh, you're stuck, yeah. You're, these people are stuck like there there is not a lot of hope coming and they have no way to get off so yeah. i mean that's like prime and they also 
can't eat it, there it's prime like just like the societal contract is break is gonna break down immediately they're done for like very very quickly um and it does in these chapters here soon yeah but oh, uh yeah. Huh. there's like tons of people dead tons of people missing uh we learn later that you know there's new crimes happening all the time Hashtag because there's not crimes. really any sort of enforcement of that half of anything happening so yeah no not uh not good not good let's let's talk about bobby bobby we go to, hey, we go to bobby. bobby who also struggling but um she's not projects bobby is on a big old ship called the Armand de Jung, uh, which is a massive donager size dreadnought Martian class. And she, along with Thorson and Martins and a few other Martian people we learn are headed towards Earth. And throughout this chapter, we have a few signs that Bobby's kind of like, there's something going on with Bobby. She ends up going to some meetings with Thorson and Martins to go over some stuff. Um, and then she has a conversation with Martins at the end of this chapter, kind of about uh, some of the things that she's been doing and getting up to and and what, uh, you know, what what Martins thinks is going on uh, and some of the. And some of the problems he thinks that Bobby needs to address. So um, we start off this chapter. Our first bit is Bobby is uh, very excited that he has. She gets to jog around in gravity uh, because she's been on Ganymede with low gravity. And so her doesn't had a lot of training or been able to train very a lot. So um, immediately we get Bobby gets some brownie points, I believe, with me and deck because she's just so jacked that she can fucking train in gravity. I she's like, totally hell yeah, relate to this. That's like, imagine you couldn't work out for like a long time. Like I would. Uh, this sounds so weird, but <laughs> like I would I would be not it would. Yeah, it'd be not fun. She's Bobby's just jogging. She's like, hell yeah, this is so this is hard. I love this. But yeah. she's like going like 12 miles. She's like, you know, I could probably go like 20. Like, goddamn. He's wild. He's, he's the crazy. Best. But uh, as she's jogging, we learned that this that the Harmon Dejun, I man, I think that's how you pronounce it, but I am not 100 percent sure. Hopefully I'm... <laughs> <laughs> some it's probably important and it's not important no one cares to you no it's not that's i understand that that's fine pronunciation is the least important thing on this planet well i disagree that's okay. <laughs> well um but she's jogging around the this the ship can actually house four other ships is what we learn you it, one, there's two of the docked ships are, uh, or of the docks where the ships can be are, are taken up by Bobby ship from Ganymede, where the other with a few other Martian people, naval naval officers on it, and then a ship from uh, Mars, I believe, with some other civilian people, some some intelligence people. Uh, I don't know for sure, but there's one other ship there too. So there's two big empty docks. And they're huge, and that's where Bobby's kind of jogging around, doing her fun one G training. They're in, they're in, they're in a constant one G burn on the way to Earth because they want to get there fast. So Bobby kind of notes that Martian naval, uh, uh, or navy 
soldiers are used to this because they train in high G all the time, but like the civilian, the Martian civilians are probably not used to this and they probably are, they probably don't like it because they're not used to this much gravity. Uh, because you would basically feel like everything would be like, you know, a per certain percentage harder, even just like lifting your arm or walking would be a certain I'm percent. I'm pretty sure it's almost double. And wild. Um, but yeah, so she's loving it. Um, a, a random dude like, uh, is trying to like find her and gets finally kind of finds her and yells out to her. And she, she trips when, when this happens and she like messes herself up when she trips. Uh, she felt something pop in her wrist. Her right knee bounces painfully off the floor. <laughs> she like lays there for a little bit. She's like, oh my, did I break something? <laughs> and she realizes she didn't. Uh, but man, she like freaking, she really wipes out here. Uh, just a few seconds later, this, this, the guy that yelled to her runs up to her and is like, holy crap, are you okay? Uh, and she looks at her knee. She's like, all right, starting to get a bruise. She like, takes like a nice fall here. Uh, and then he's like, hey, uh, they want you at a meeting. We couldn't find you because you didn't have your terminal. Like, yeah, fuck the terminal. I don't want you guys to call me, but I'll go to the fuck meeting. Fuck the terminal. Dude, the dude uh, touches her, too. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why he does that. He touches. I don't know why you're touching, my guy. Please don't touch. What a weirdo. Don't touch without asking. Don't please. Touch. Please don't touch. Um, and, yeah, so we jump, to a, we jump ahead. Bobby gets to the meeting. Uh, Thorson is there with another Marine, Matsuki, and two intelligence officers uh, that she refers to as Redhead, and the other guy she refers to as Gubby, I believe. Gubby. So, um, very, she really thinks highly of them. It's pretty clear. Excellent. You don't do this in your head? <laughs> no, actually You don't never. Like, just make up names for people you don't know the names of? Gubby. I actually don't really. Really? That's sad. Well, how do you like refer to people in your head that you don't know the names of? Uh, I typically will just I typically will just be like, "Hey, what what was that guy's name?" Well, I'm not like, hmm. but like in your head, like I I just don't refer to him as anything. I I don't think I I won't interesting refer to them as anything. You're like one of those weird people who doesn't have an inner voice. That would be wild. Well, uh, do I not? I guess I don't know. You definitely like do. do. Can you think to yourself? <laughs> yeah, I do. yeah, I can definitely think to myself. I do all the time. It's too much. All right, there you go. You have an inner voice. Some people but don't I, have that. I don't think of... I'm trying to think of someone... I can't think of someone that I don't know the name of right now. You never, like, been to a party and then, like, referred to somebody as, like, speckled or... Uh, mm, that was wrong. Like, uh, I don't know. Freckled? You mean freckled? Maybe, like, freckles? look at Freckles over there, trying to, I don't know, Not in my head. Pretzels. Not in my head, really, no. Well, I guess we're just different. Makes two of us. Me and Bobby are more like, <laughs> you'd like me better. That's fucked up. Effed <laughs> up. Um, man, so, yes, Bobby is calling the names in her head. Um... But they wanted her to come to this meeting because they're trying to walk through the scene one more time. They're trying to pinpoint where the anomaly, which is what they're calling the monstrous blue fiend that was terrorizing the Navy, the Navy people on Ganymede. They're trying to find out 
approximately where it could have been like planted or where it could have came from. So they're trying to they they want Bobby there to help recreate the scene. Um, they're looking at a map and they're like walking through the timeline of the things. Bobby, like as she's looking at the map, like kind of like flashes back and is like thinking about what happened and oh man, I got I flew really far and like oh gosh, that's where everyone died. And then like Doris has to like yell at her a couple times, like not yell, but just like raise his voice a little bit because she's kind of she's like zoned out. Um, well, she's also like and, traumatized. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, we'll like, get there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so she kind of like zones out a little bit and she apologizes for that. Um. And then Thorson kind of nods at her and this, he it says that he nods at her with a strange expression that Bobby couldn't really read. Um, but then, yeah, they kind of talk about more that they they they've realized that the based on where radios went out within or on Ganymede and within some of the bases, they've they've figured out that the anomaly is actually the cause of the radio jam. So the ring in which the radios were going out on Ganymede is the center of that circle. It, it was moving and it was always where this monster was. So somehow this monster was putting out uh, something that was jamming the radios, which is not this uh, is big, which is concerning because they yep. thought mm -hmm. like this has big implications because one like this thing can like freaking jam radios without any like technology like strange like an organic being is doing this which is wild and two it means that like the un wasn't doing it which is yeah jamming the radios. also yeah. weird so big implications not good um the they're trying to like they're talking through about where this thing could have been this part is just really funny to me they're like oh it looks like the the thing originated uh, they call it insertion, where the thing would have popped up first. Insertion. And they point to it on the map. And they're like, it's this path right where the UN outpost is along this route. And the, right on this path, and which leads right to the UN outpost. So now we really, like, that's kind of what happened, is that it, it appeared here, and then it made its way to the UN outpost. Um, one, of the, one of the intelligence analyst people is like, it looks like there's some old service tunnels right below there. <laughs> Classic. I just, like, laugh every time. I'm like, huh, weird. They haven't been used in decades, you say, huh? Interesting. Wild. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who could have guessed that these old tunnels right around where this thing was could have been used to transport this thing in some way? That, I don't know. It's Wild. Just, I, like, I like laughed when I read that. I was like, Super. you guys, honestly, you guys are the smartest, and I'm glad that you guys are on the case. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, they, I'm going through all this because I wanted to get to this point where they're guessing, the two intelligence analysts are guessing that the, the UN Marines were ex, uh, escorting this thing and then it got yeah. out of control and then they were running from it. And then Bobby kind of like laughs and scoffs at this. And they, her, she talks about how when she was doing uh, like the academy basically, that the saying was that like the second most dangerous thing in the in the solar system after a Martian marine was a UN marine, and so um, she, basically like she's like they're trained the same way we are. If that was a mission that they were doing and they like botched it, they would have just died trying to fix it. They wouldn't have ran in any way. So the fact that they were running implies that they were just running to try and get the Martian marines to help them fight that thing. 
because it had killed a bunch of them already. Yeah. Um. So Bobby seems to think that the implication is that they weren't. Uh, that this was something that kind of popped up that they were unaware of versus something that they were aware of and trying to hide. So uh, Thorsten's like, thank you. And then Bobby kind of continues uh, with more points, blah, 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 blah. Then Thorsten's like, thank you, Sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. We have to continue. And then she's like looking at some of these other people and she's watching them like eat a piece of gum. And he's like, all right, thank you. You can go now. Uh, and then she's like really pissed when she leaves because she's like, Civi is just don't get it. Yeah, this yeah, is way better. Him. So in the in the show, they like completely kind of deny the whole monster thing instead of like like here they're like denying that the UN didn't plant the monster kind of. Um, in the show, they're like they try to like squash the whole monster at all. And yeah, like, which is dumb. Yeah, it's kind of silly. They went that way in the show because it's. It's yeah, w- it's, it's a little weird. This is way better in my own. But. And then that's the end of this little scene. Then we get to our last chapter with uh, Captain Martin's. Oh, I think I said Martin's earlier. Right? It's Martin's. Doesn't matter. Yes, um, it does. It's a different name. Um, and Bobby is in the cargo bay. She's disassembling the gun on her suit's arm, and she's cleaning it. And Martin's just like, yo, we got to talk. <laughs> like, like, you are kind of messed up right now. Um, and he start, he's trying to tell her, he like this, trying to tell her a story, blah, blah, blah. And then the one thing, like, Martin's finally gets to his point. He's like, how fucked up do you have to be before Thorsten starts asking me if maybe you aren't a little shell-shocked? So basically, Martin's like, you are acting insane a little bit lately. Like, you are clearly not in not 100% right now um and you need to like i want to help you but you're not letting me help you um and he brings up her dad who we learned was apparently kind of like a legend in the martian navy you're a legend Um, yeah you're a legend martian um and bobby is like yo please please don't talk about my dad (laughs) um and he is like, all right, let's go through all this, man. He's like, I know that when a gunnery sergeant with your level of training and combat readiness almost gets taken out by a random dude that yells your name, uh, something is wrong. And she's like, no, I just fell. It's not a problem. And then he's like, in the meeting today, you yelled at two analysts about how Martians would rather or Marines would rather die than fail. And I was like, I didn't yell. But then she immediately is like, she's questioning her memories at this point. She's like, how did that meeting go? And she's and she can't really remember. Uh, and then Martin's is like, how many times have you fired that gun since you cleaned it yesterday? And Bobby's like, what? Mm. Uh, and he's like, how many times have you fired it since you cleaned it the day before that? Or the one before that? Uh, and Bobby's kind of like, oh, oh, no. And she tells him to stop talking. But um, basically, she is learning because Martin's is telling her that she's cleaned her gun once or twice every single day that they've been on this ship. Um, and she has, she's got zero clue that she's been doing that. So Martin's is like, Bobby, you, you've got PTSD. Like, this is just what it is. And you have it because you've got all the symptoms. It's like, it's not a weakness. It's not some kind of moral failure. This is what happens when you live through something terrible. 
you know, you, you, you just can't process this. You're acting irrationally because of it. Um, and he's like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You're trying to be tough, competent, ready. This, this situation came up that you could have, you know, no training for. There's no way to be prepared for that. And a lot of people and friends that you had died. Uh, like, this is like, this is what is going to be, you know, you're, this is just what's happening. Um, and she's like, she is not, you know, she's like trying to process this. Uh, she's not having a good time trying to do this. He calls her Roberta and she still says quietly, don't call me Roberta, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, she, she's trying to like, you know, she's taking, she, she's trying to breathe. She is trying to work through this a little bit. And then she kind of like starts thinking about her, you know, she smells her, the oil from her suit. She's thinking about all of the thousands of Navy people and Marines that are on the ship um, working and cleaning and doing stuff. And this comforts her a bit because she's just a straight up, you know, she's like a military person through and through. Um, so she says at the end of all this, um, she's like, no, talking is, is not going to help me uh, in this situation, which I disagree, Bobby, but that's okay. Um, she's like, the thing that killed my friends and started this war, I'm going to find out who I'm going to kill. So she's, you know, that's one route to go. Uh, will it help her mentally? Mm. Yeah, we'll she's see. not having a good time. No. Um, no. Straight up. But like, it's interesting this chapter because we obviously we basically go through it, and it does. You, you're reading it, and you're like, oh yeah, Bobby's just like, wow, she felt really hard. That seems weird. Um, like, why would you know? I don't know. It, the way that they kind of read through it, and it's like, wow, that was strange. Um. And then, yeah, you're going to the meeting and like Thorson's like looking at her weird and she's keeps interrupting people and she dozes off or not dozes off, but like, uh, you know, zones out. And, I, you know, she keeps thinking like, well, man, these people are so ridiculous. And it's very it the Martin's recap of, hey, these are the things that you're doing. Uh, and it, it, we get a we just get a little bit of an unreliable narrator in this chapter, which is always interesting when they do it in books. Um, but. Yeah, it's a good just just this really just a peek at what's going on in Bobby's brain. Yeah, at the moment, which you know, you'd be messed up. Probably, definitely. Um, yeah, Bobby is uh having some some issues, but Mister Mister uh, Avasarla, Mrs. Avasarla, is also having issues. Everyone's Why going. Going, I was wondering if you would correct the mister. But was I was not having fun here. No, she's uh, identifies as a lady. So it's Mrs. Miss? Mrs. Avasarla. She is married. Um, but yeah, so Avasarla chapter. Gotta love it. Love these. Because um, a lot of a lot of details get dropped in here that are important. Um, and you also get to see somebody smart piecing together the story. So this is like, she's almost like the Miller of... The anti-Holden. <laughs> the anti, yeah, the anti-Holden also. But yeah, and also like the Miller too. Like she's a yes, step ahead of is, everyone as far as taking, like... Absolutely. She's figuring out what's Miller's. going on. Yep. 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 So she's uh, she's great. Uh, and I love all her chapters. But this chapter, um, as far as like what happens is not much. Uh, she gets a report back about Ganymede. 
not Ganymede. Um, Venus, uh, she meets with uh, Jules Pierre Mao, which is wild. Because it was kind of assumed, not really, I don't know, like, you're kind of like, why is that guy not arrested? His he owned all of like Protogen, but um, we'll get into that. Uh, and then uh, has an interesting finding that uh, Holden is on right. Ganymede, and the UN knows it. So some big things being dropped here. Uh, first one that we had to break down. Uh, Venus is going nuts, and nobody knows anything like they have a bunch of smart people um working on it the gravity has increased by three percent which is fucked up like how does that happen like to to have gravity you need mass like there's mass being created there like that's nuts um there's like electric networks happening also nuts like there's hydrocarbons complex hydrocarbons i don't know what that is i don't think they do either um yeah basically nobody knows what's going on which is cool. Like, I wish we had more mysteries in life. And this is also... <laughs> I don't I, think you I want like, that to exist. In I, our I like, we need more mysteries. We need more things that might potentially kill us. Because, like, this is, like, the big baddie that no one's going on. And probably, like you said, part of the reason why uh, Mars and Earth haven't blown each other up. I mean, it's the reason they're fighting, but also the reason they're not fighting. I mean, Earth is the first one to go if freaking Venus starts to do something weird. I mean, it's already like, um, we learned that it spiked during, like, an energy spike happened. I think they already mentioned that, but it's brought up again in in this chapter. First one, and but they, it's clear that it happened now. I think. Yeah, they're like it happened exactly when the attack happened, which is wild because, well, one, they're like, well, nothing came off the planet, so it's not like. From what they could see, this thing didn't, like, launch to Jupiter, but then they also point out, like, this thing was doing crazy shit uh, with Eros that we didn't know how they were doing, so maybe it could freaking walk to (laughs) Ganymede. Great little line that she has in her brain, which I just, again, I love all her sentences, but only so far, it was like a bunch of lizards watching the World Cup. (laughs) Politely put, they weren't sure what they were looking at. Yeah. (laughs) I just love I love how they're able to phrase things with her. Uh, Very weird. So, also confirms. So great. World Cup is canon in this in this uh, Still. series. Yeah, hundreds of years in the future. Fantastic. Hopefully, um, less slave labor involved in building the stadium. Freaking wild. Um, hope. Hopefully, I, I I don't know. I doubt it. I uh, doubt it. Yeah, I also doubt. But uh, press X to doubt. I think uh, then. Mrs. Uh, Soron, Mr. Soron tells uh, tells her that Jules Pierre Mao is waiting in her office, and she's like, "Fuck, I didn't read read the notes." Uh, I love what she does. She's like, "Pop quizzes, Soron." She'd be like, "Uh, give me the load on this dude," <laughs> um, and he does. So Jules Pierre Mao didn't get arrested because they couldn't find dirt on him. Um, they couldn't prove that he knew about the protogen. And he also threw some people under the bus. So this seems pretty. This, pretty, seems, uh, this is exactly what happens. In real yeah, life. in real so life, it too. Totally it's like terrible. if you throw some people under the bus and uh, put some sort of doubt, then you can get away, especially if you're really well, rich. Well, middle managers. Which, which again, one, I think we covered like Jewel Pierre, like the Mao Gatowski. Mao, 
Alkatowski organization. I'm still saying that wrong. Is uh, freaking. It's like it's worth as much as the like they're saying that like corporations like have as much as the UN government. So it's like unreal wealth. This would be like Bezos specifically retiring because of the Amazon employees peeing in cups. <laughs> yes. Never gonna happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, although this I seems mean, a little okay, worse. To be fair, yeah, it was a little, <laughs> like, a little mass genocide of a planet, <laughs> peeing in cups. Same, same. It'd be like what a take. Mm. This would be like Raytheon CEO resigning because of a genocide in Yemen. Yeah, which he's never gonna. He's they're happy that it's happening, probably. Uh, so, uh, brutal. Yeah, real life is wild. Um, but it is also wild that he's meeting with her. But I guess he, um, I don't know. He's a nice dude. It's weird it's that she doesn't. Code. Who asked for this meeting? Because she's like. Shit, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, did she like ask for the meeting and then forget about it? Or I bet you, like, this just goes to show, like, if you have a ton of money, you are all you're automatically like a political force, which is just how exactly how America works right now, too. Yeah, it's true. But like, I guess like, cause the whole meeting in the meeting, the whole purpose is for her to be like, "Yo, give me dirt," um, and he just says no. But so it's like, did he ask for the meeting and wanted to do something else, or was he just obliging for? I don't like. I guess I don't know I why she, the meeting. Happened. I think she wanted this meeting, and then just forgot uh, about it because she's like, I don't know who this guy to, is. She forgot Give to specifically do background to help her press him harder. Yeah, I mean, the I guess that whole part is really to give the readers a lowdown. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just I, to give one hundred percent. It's a yeah, it's um, a storytelling device. But it doesn't. It doesn't make. A ton of sense in my opinion uh but i love chrissy going through this because she basically grills him on on the stuff she asks him for one she tells sauron to freaking get the hell out of there by asking him to go to get tea which is great and to take his time dude she is so brutal to him like it <laughs> i feel bad for him even for though him. he uh does some things later um Did but that's the test man he asked <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's uh yeah he's he's a little dirtbag um but man she is so brutal to him because later when she asked him to come back she's like i didn't tell you to wait all day like and presumably she didn't mean to wait until she she asked him to so she's just like ripping on him every single chance she gets um yeah which i'm sorry uh, you know uh, maybe some of these decisions that he makes me. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, you know, why not? I said um again. I gotta. Stop. I don't know why she. I don't know why she trusts him so much. Uh, she must have dirt on him. Or she maybe. has like no issues. With, like all the details. Or like, she, knows all. Of it. Or they have. So maybe it's like a thing. Like I don't know. It's like a. I don't <laughs> to make this parallel. Like a White House internship or something. It's like. This, like, will set him up for, like, being in this role will help him later. Like, she's a really powerful person, right? So if you're on her good side, then maybe he gets better jobs in the future. And he just has to do shit work for whatever, a couple years. And yeah. then maybe he becomes whatever, something. So I, I think that's I, how it is. I'm sure that's 100% I'm sure that's 100% how that works. I'm just wondering, it seems like she shares a lot of intel with Soren that is 
uh, pretty classified or pretty high up stuff for what for oh, stuff she that must she's trust plotting. him and treat so him she like must shit. Trust him a lot and treat him like shit. So those two things are kind of at odds with each other. He must. She does treat everyone a lot, like man. shit though. Yeah, that is how she uh, is. So that's just how it how it goes. But uh, the meeting is what we need to talk about with Mao. True. So after Sauron leaves, he she just asks him how like you need to give me more intel on on what you know about the the proto molecule uh and he goes over and is like and says yo i told the un everything i know there is not one thing more i know uh and he he also she notes how she he acts all offended and like hurt that she would even even uh ask him this but she like can tell it's like a phase or a lie and then she mao brings up her her dead his dead daughter and is like hey my daughter died there like i you don't think i want to get to the bottom of this and then chrissy is like is this is a bold move asks like how have you seen your daughter since <laughs> which is just i don't know man just like pressing uh like imagine if like somebody's daughter had just died and then you asked, have you seen her? <laughs> like, that makes no sense. And it's also maybe a little rude. Not that Avasarla isn't rude all the time, as we were just saying, but it's it's a wild tactic to me. Yep. Just to, like, I give no fucks. <laughs> I'm going to, like, press this knife in about your dead daughter. But she she then notes that he doesn't seem, um, I don't know doesn't seem like she he seems falsely angered in his voice and like thinks he's trying to hide something and uh then changes the subject to ganymede uh and and uh this it looks like brings him a little off guard um uh but he can't tell she can't tell if it's fake shock or real shock uh she so she brings up ganymede and is like hey we really need to know info about this um even thinks about monitoring mao but then here's where she brings up like they have as much resources as the un government <laughs> so monitoring them is impossible it'd be like yeah it it's not not gonna happen um and uh pushes a little more about getting information uh with him and but he, he is not He's not doing it. He's like, nope, not giving you info. She she brings up the line about, uh, hey, you know, if you if you're lying to me now and later I find out, you're gonna get fucked. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yep, I figured that out from this meeting, and just leaves. Uh, so I love it. It's very very Chrissy, very Avasarla of her thing to say. Um, really brings out. Her character. Uh, after this, she's. I like how she's contemplating uh, telling Aaron Wright to like, expect a call. And this is funny because we learn later that Aaron Wright and uh, Little Mauer are in cahoots. Absolutely. So, like, Aaron Wright is already. He's trying to, to play this down anyway. So. Oh yeah. I love. I love when she figures it out. It's uh. It's some great stuff later on. Yeah, when... rereading chapters is i mean it's smart as she is man she was getting played she was getting played hard 
she was getting played hard. Uh, she, she yells at either way. Yeah, she yells at Soren to come back with her tea. Um, which again we just discussed is hilarious. And he brings back the report, this very important report, that James Holden is on Ganymede. And they laugh about his scruffy beard disguise. He's like, you think that uh, was... It's like freaking Miller's goofy hat. It's like, what the, what the hell, dude? You think having a little beard's gonna gonna stop you? Yeah, they, they even joke about like the Ken Clark thing. They're like, thank God he didn't put on glasses. Else we would have never found him. That's funny. It is like the bare minimum. Like, you think it's like future tech like you they don't have any like face altering technology maybe some temporary tattoos maybe change your hair a wig i don't know it seems like they could do something better than hey holden grow a beard for a few weeks <laughs> that'll be good enough and holden was considering bringing the rosinante but fred talked him out of it holden is so dumb i mean we learned this over and over but he's so dumb he's an idiot He's uh absolute it. Yeah, but Avasarla. He's an idiot, but he's not stupid. Which wrong. Huge <laughs> wrong. He, well, he, I agree. He's really stupid. So he's an idiot and stupid, but he's dangerous. Is what I think um choose. And he, he's not stupid about like he is stupid he about like social things. Do not things. underestimate his capacity to fuck things up. And right. that is 100% true. But he, yeah, so he's like capable enough to fuck things up, but he's not capable enough to like read rooms, read situations, and act accordingly. He just like acts out of whatever he thinks is right, which is usually stupid. Um, but yeah, he's like cap he's a capable human being, just bad at. He's capable in all the wrong ways. Well, <laughs> he applies I mean, himself incorrectly. <laughs> he's capable in some nice ways. Like he's a good leader. He knows how to, like, do fights. Um, it's not, you know, I'm not saying that he's, like, a bad guy or that people don't bad. like him. I'm just saying, like, he, when he's dangerous, choice, most people would be to do, to not do something, he's just like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, he's just oblivious uh, to a lot of things, which is fine, I guess. And it leads to consequences for... He always makes it out. It's... But other people don't. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Um, but then also, big thing here, she wants to send a message to Fred Johnson without anybody knowing, which is the beginning of some good good stuff, some stuff she needs and will be key to, uh, I don't know, everything. Because uh, yeah, she can't classic. really trust Aaron Wright. Um, and she... She doesn't really know that yet, but she's getting an inkling. Um, and she can't, she, I don't know, she needs a connection with Fred Johnson uh, to figure this, figure out who's doing shit. Yeah, one of the things that she realizes towards the end of this, right, or that she's like, that she's using, that she thinks is right, yeah. is that since, the, since Fred sent Holden and company to Ganymede, that they also don't know what it is either because right, that's Holden big. is the most familiar with protomolecule, so it makes sense that they'd send him. If they knew what it was, they probably wouldn't have sent him. So right. she's like, shit, okay, the OPA probably not involved with this or probably doesn't know what this is. Yeah, so that that's checks one of her things. That off checks one scenario off, which is yeah. bad for her. And oh, yeah. man, Holden is a freaking idiot. Uh, we'll talk about it later when it actually happens. But um, man, I just hate Holden. Uh, yeah, and then... I love the very end is 
we need to find a way to get a message to Fred Johnson without Gwyn or the Martians finding out. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, Admiral Nguyen being one of the UN, the higher ups in the UN Navy, um, was, I believe, uh, he is the one that is on the, he's going to be leading the, uh, what's that ship called? The Harman Dae Jung back to Earth. He's like helping with that escorting. He's the leader of the talks, yeah. Yeah. So, he already doesn't trust him very much. But yeah, I like the classic ending of the chapter where get me Fred Johnson. That I feel like that's the ending of a chapter <laughs> like Fred 20 Johnson. times at least. Yeah, or something like Man. Fred Johnson. He looked at his phone and it was Fred Johnson. It's always Fred Johnson. It always comes back to Fred. He's a character. Man, I, uh, I'm reading some things right now. Some later books. <laughs> well, don't, don't read it yet. I already don't, did. I already old, read them. Old, too late. <laughs> No, I already I read I read it in the book, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so chapter ten stuff. We get back to our boy Prax. Praxitiki Mung, favorite, favorite. Uh he is talking to this twenty-year-old dude. He's negotiating with him. He's trying to get into some security footage uh, on Ganymede to locate May. <laughs> they do end up getting some info. Uh, and then Prax ends up realizing that he's like literally starving and dying. And he goes to um, talk to the that security line that we mentioned earlier. He goes back to there because that's his daily thing. Um, we again, we get a lot of uh, info about kind of just the absolute devastation that's happening on Ganymede Station. Um, there's some mob stuff that is seemingly starting to happen. And then mob stuff. Uh, our boy Prax sees a face that he seems to recognize, but he can't necessarily place. Who so, is it? Who could say? He but, recognized him with the beard? Wow. <laughs> I'll have to grow a beard and shave it off. <laughs> Bolton yes. did not shave grow it off. Beard, shave it off. That was his mistake. That was his mistake. He got to shave it off. Then no one will recognize you. Um, but yeah, so at the beginning of this chapter, Prax is... Uh, he's he's bargaining with this this dude, this guy, some sort of hacker man. He is not really explained how, but he's got access to all of the cameras. I totally um, picture him as like the '90s hacker dude too in my head. Yes, um, <laughs> like got potato made. chips. Maybe not because there's no food, but like there's no food, and that's what they're bargaining over. I take food. a chip. Prax notes that historically this would have costed him money, but now this guy's just like, I just need some food. Uh, and we can look for this. So they're looking at a camera that is actually going over the tunnel where May's daycare was, uh, or the school was, and they're doing this in reverse, looking for May. Uh, as they're going through this, uh, Prax is kind of like looking around. He sees like a pool of water in this apartment, which is further sign that the environmental controls are just like absolutely fucked and continuing to get worse. Uh, which is really bad for, again, everyone that is currently living and starving on uh, the station. Uh, if that shit fails, they're all dead. So uh, I think Prax, again, in his starved state, just kind of notes that for later. Probably forgets it pretty quickly, actually. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a child crying in a different room. This guy has a kid. Uh, also, is probably very hungry, so really not good. Um, 
they he sees himself eventually in the footage that's going in reverse. And then they eventually do see uh, a certain maid da, 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 da. along with a certain Dr. Strickland da, 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 and, a, and a woman. And Prax immediately is a little confused about his feelings. He's outraged, but also super relieved when he sees Dr. Strickland because we learn immediately he knows Dr. Strickland. He's like, Dr. Strickland is the one that takes care of May and manages her immune system condition along with 16 other kids that have the same condition on Ganymede. And Dr. Strickland manages their uh, stuff and, they, and gets them all their medicine that they need to live normally. And he's like, okay, that's, that's good. Right? That seems good. <laughs> not good, not good, about, Prax. He knows about her sickness, so at least that means that there's a chance that she didn't die within a few hours of leaving the daycare. Um, because I think that she had her medicine. They also note that he saw the woman leaving with, or a woman leaving with another boy, um, a five-year-old boy. And yeah, he, he takes a good look at the woman and he doesn't really recognize her. He says that she looks like one of the Russian botanists that he used to work with, which is kind of strange. But I like um, how they're, are they othering the Russians right now again? I get, which is very Every... funny. Yeah. Even <laughs> on Ganymede, <laughs> the Cold War still rages. <laughs> right. Crazy. Uh, love it. Because Brax definitely doesn't identify as like American. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the thing. Like, there's like so much mix of uh, like every race in this book yeah it's... which is cool but it's the un is still clearly coded as america which is not that like... is also true i mean that's yeah it, i feel like it, yeah i don't know it probably would be that way but like we can't assume that it would be like 100 percent american government style shit america the un right like yeah i don't know that, and obviously they have to take certain liberties to tell the story but sure. it is very it, the, the government seems very American. Um, but yeah, so we've got this Russian botanist, which honestly seems like a great, great gig. Um, and he asked this, this dude, the hacker man, to, to follow them on the cameras. Uh, and the guy's like, for more salad? No, I need some chicken for that, my dude. Fuck. And he's not, this isn't a euphemism. He, he wants my boy wants some chicken. Choke his chicken. Uh, well, uh, no, not okay, that. Just feed him the chicken. Uh, uh, I don't like that either. The way you say that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, the there there is no chicken. So Prax is like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go find your chicken. And Prax is like, there's no fucking chicken. There's no. There, we learned that there is no edible protein on the station. Um, I mean that's not true, but yeah, it's a slow trickle coming in from the release supplies. Yeah. Well, that's it. There's basically There's nothing no else. Other people are using Prax's strategy of grazing off of the plants in the parks and the hydroponics. <laughs> this is wild. Fucked up. Fucked up. Um, inedibles were eating all the same, degrading the air scrubbing functions and throwing the balance of the station's ecosystem further off. So, like, the, every in every Prax chapter, he's like, cascading effects are causing... He, he always talks about the cascade. That's, like, his whole thing, is that... yeah. Once something bad happens, it sets things into motion that will cause other bad things to happen way in the future. Kind of like Holden. Just everything he does. But um, Holden's a good guy. That is all practicing to think about are the cascades. The freaking cascades. Um, 
And yeah, he is back in his house thinking about finding chicken and doing shit. Oh, he realizes that he's like straight dying. He 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 says he feels like falling asleep, but that his pulse is racing. Uh he then kind of he realizes that he's more lucid than he has been in like days. Uh but that he basically is like functioning as like a zombie right now. He's been writing things down because he just forgets things. Um, so he tries to write them down so that he won't forget them because his brain is so messed up right now because of the lack of food and water, I'm assuming. Um, and he's like, he's thinking about like, okay, what does he, what does he got to do? He's, he looks at the name, the list of children's names he's got down that, um, are the, are the kids uh, that were all Dr. Strickland's patients. Um, and he's like, all right, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? And he's like, all right, the security station, right. I got to go there. And then we'll ask about all of them. And then he writes this down so he doesn't forget it. He's like, it, the way he phrases this is capturing the thought, which is, uh, which is brutal. It hurts. Capture my thought. Um, and then he's like, all right. And then the phrase that he comes back to is like, all right, get help. That's what I got to do. I got to get help. So we that's what he sets out to do. Um, and then he gets he's in the front of the line. We kind of jump ahead. He's in the front of the line at the security thing. And he's like, they're all gone. All his patients, 16 out of 16. You know the probability of that? Not random. <laughs> the security guy's like, next. We can't thank you, but next. Um, and the guy's like, maybe he was trying to get him out today. And he's like, he said, the security man is like weary. He doesn't really care. It's not that he doesn't care, but it's clear that there's a lot of there's problems. so many reports happening right now and issues. The security guy is like, okay, you go this way. And he kind of like moves him to the side. And then the woman behind him is like, hey, I need to report a murder. Like three men <laughs> broke into our apartment and killed my brother. And he's like, please fill out this form. This is like, oh, this is bleak. This is bleak. Um, not good. So Prax is like the, the man, the security man's asking this woman question and Prax is like answering them. And the one little bit that he thinks about is when he asked this woman when this happened. And the woman is like a couple hours ago and Prax, continuing his line of thought, he says before the attack. And oh. Prax like thinks about this a little bit. He's like, yeah, wait a minute. This happened before attack happened which is interesting um if he if Prax's brain was like working a little better maybe he could have thought about this a little bit more but he can't because his brain (laughs) not work right now he ends up thinking okay I'm gonna go to the relief center um he makes his way over there there's like a big crowd of people there it's looking like kind of like um like a bit of a, it's like a crowd and they're getting a little anxious and antsy. Um, they're trying to get on a ship or of some sort, or they're trying to get somewhere, maybe down like a corridor to get food or something. Um, but there's like, you know, people yelling because everyone needs food and wants food. Praxis gets out of the crowd, um, kind of just leans against the wall because he's having trouble. He doesn't want to get sucked in. He's having trouble kind of walking around and uh, he's in a lot of pain. Not good. 
for our boy. And then he he sees a familiar face that he can't really place. He's like, who, who, could who is this guy? Is it like someone that I know that worked here? <laughs> he's like, no way. Oh, he's, no, he's thick boned and muscular, which uh, muscular in this thick situation, boned. even though in the show, freaking Holden and Amos are like jacked to shit. Uh, <laughs> muscular in this situation just means like, oh, he has muscle mass, which means that he's not from Ganymede. Right. Because there's no gravity here. Um, so he's like, oh, this guy is from Earth because there's that's the only place that you get these kind of muscles. Um, and then he's like, why have I seen this guy traveling? And he's like, no. And he's like, was this, is this guy looking for food? He's like, no, he doesn't look like he's hungry. Uh, and he keeps like thinking about it and he's like staring at him. And he, find, and he has like a little like epiphany moment where he's like holding May in his apartment. This is like a flashback. Um, and she, May is uh, barely a year old, not walking. And then over the news, the streams are, the news stream is just a man's face played over and over. And they do the little James Holden initial message uh, that That's was him. heard on the solar system. And Pax is like, oh, that is that guy. Um, and he kind of slowly starts to walk toward him, and he says, get help to himself. Uh, and, and that is the end of our chapter 10. So, Prax and Prax. Man, one thing I forgot to mention about Prax, this dude is going to the, uh, basically the morgue, or the place they're holding the bodies every day, and like digging through bodies, looking through, looking for his child. Oh, poor Prax, Which man. is, uh... I've been too hard on him, wild. I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I think he deserves it, especially... <laughs> He's dying, especially He's when what happens later. But yeah, I guess. But yeah, yes, later, later. Yes, right He's now. He's going through it's some shit. To, it's hard to blame him for anything right now because he fucked up. He's lost his whole life. Uh, we get back to the real hero of the story, Mister Holden. Thank God. Um. Yeah, he's divvying out supplies. Him and Naomi go on a walk. They find, uh, a comeuppance. Uh, there's some security people arguing with. Uh, the people of Ganymede who are very angry. Uh, Holden diffuses kind of the situation along with Naomi's self. And uh, uh, then they, they meet Mr. Prax. So we kind of get the meeting from Holden's point of view, which is fun. Um, some things I think we need to talk about is the... So they're, they're working with the missionaries um, to kind of divvy out this food. And this dude is like yelling at Holden. Um... About life, he's like, you didn't bring enough supplies, and just like about every little thing, he's very upset. It, I don't think you can make this man happy. Also, the re religion is about like being superhuman, which I find awesome. Like, <laughs> like I want to be this for like. They're like, <laughs> he says they're like their main thing is like we have the ability to like create superhumans, so we should do it. Uh, I like it. It's good. Um, but. Yeah, that's this dude is kind of wild. Like, we just brought you a bunch of shit to like love, divvy out to I people. Sintichai, I love him. And you're He's complaining? Great. He's right. Wow, you are the problem. What? You. We're trying to. We're giving you the all good this shit. guy. All this guy says is like, "Hey, you guys said you were going to bring twenty-two thousand pound kilos. It's you only common. brought twelve. Now He's we don't have doing any food. his freaking best." Um. But he goes and talks to Melissa, and 
there. Uh, she's she's a little nicer. He also he also asked her why why this happened, and and she's like, I don't know. We just gotta help people now, though, which is probably fair. I mean, like if the whole station's like on fire, you should probably we gotta put out the fire before we uh in their point of view anyway before we figure out what's what's going down here. I get like Holden's trying to get the bigger picture, but like yeah, if you're living on the station that's like dying like your first priority is to fix that right you can't go be going around solving mysteries <laughs> than oh, scooby-doo and this is yes. also i i feel like i should point this out here way different from the the show um in the show prax actually leaves uh ganymede and they go to Tycho station um and that's where they meet holden yes. um so that's Definitely way different. Uh, they never, they never go to Ganymede, at least not at first. And some, yeah, season two is still sci-fi, so budgets were low, so they probably were like, we, we're just gonna stick with. Old you Ganymede. get a crazy scene of Prax letting that. I think it's a character in the book, actually. His friend like gets spaced because it's he's on like a Belter stowaway ship. Um, so anyone who's like she was like a straight Earther or a Martian or something, and they just space her. They like tricker. It's wild. They're like, Damn. any Earthers, uh, we're we're gonna send you to your home ship. And then they just space her. He's he's lucky Prax didn't get uh space. That's what dude Belters love getting Belters love spacing people. We we already deduced that. The they other just... Belter saved him. I'm surprised he did, because they're like, Nope, you don't go. She goes alone. Um and then just space her. There she goes. Yeah, and she was I don't she... Is she in the book, but maybe later, but maybe not I yet. Don't I do. Know. I do know what you're talking about. I know that lady. I think that it's a brutal. I can't remember scene. if she's in it later or not. Facing has like to she... be not fun. Why would you guess? Uh, yeah. I mean, you do die. It's a very oh. efficient way to kill somebody. You don't have to worry about it. up on the ship. If you're gonna die in, we should do this for a bonus episode. Like top ten ways to die in space. That's dark. I don't know if I want to do that. Oh, it's too late. We have to. <laughs> yeah, okay. You do, you do that one. You do a solo episode talking about space and death. And it, I will. It'd be not fun. Listen. We'd love it. Ever, they liked it. All the top 10? Like, how many? How <laughs> many There's a lot of ways to die, man. Like a high G burn, being space. Um, they all sound bad. Running out of water. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds really fun. Uh, radiation, core blow. Uh, there's ton. there's a lot of cool things. A lot of cool things. Asteroid, sunburn. Asteroid hit. Um, a asteroid comes through, takes your whole head off. Yeah, like our boy. Random like PVC boy. round. Oh, it wasn't an asteroid. I think it was a railgun round. But yeah. Oh, was it a railgun round? Yeah, yeah, you're right. But uh, a lot of cool ways to die. Um, cool. Not the word I would use. Uh, yeah, probably not what I would use either. You just used it. Yeah, I know, but it was a mistake. Who has it? Who among us? Let he who has not said death was cool throw the first stone. But yeah, so Holden and Naomi decide to go on a walk and explore. Kind of, because they, they, they figure they got to find out what's going on. Um, man, they see a group eyeing them, and they should have 
like they got us i don't get how they assume that nobody recognizes them yeah it's it, dumb i we've already said this a billion times but yeah it's uh stupid they have this weird interaction with this red or like they describe him as like spiky haired weird dude gives holding a club i'm not sure what the point of that was he like he like hands holding the club and then says like we're gonna go fuck shit up right essentially and then <laughs> runs off and howls and naomi howls too which is great i love that she uh she just goes goes with the flow <laughs> the coolest i love her um it's a cool mom cool mom not a mom yet oh oh maybe son of a bitch <laughs> then We've had like no Holden and Naomi romance this book yet, which is uh, well, they're in a lover's quarrel. Uh, she points oh, out how he's acting they? more and more like well, they're not actually in a quarrel right now, but they're getting there. They're getting there. Um, uh, uh, so the the crowd. They get to a crowd. They hear a commotion. Get to the crowd, and it's an argument between two people. Like I said earlier, in Holden. Tries to do the the Holden thing. And he actually handles it kind of like Miller, which Naomi Hell points yeah. out later. Which no, it's not good. It doesn't end up working very well until yeah. until Naomi comes in and saves the freaking day. He's like right, trying right, right. to talk the person down in a very Miller status, and then it doesn't work. He's like, "We're not gonna back off." Because first of all, he says his name is. What does he say his name is? Freaking uh. It's here somewhere. Walter Phillips. He's like, okay, Mr. Yeah. Phillips. The person even says that. Like, the OPA has no authority here, so I don't know why yeah. you're going around spouting that off. And I also, that... that's a yeah. stupid name. <laughs> but, yeah. Holden Walter Phillips sounds the... made up, doesn't it? Does it not? Well, that's his... That is his made-up name. Exactly. Like, pick a better name. At least it wasn't something that rhymed with James Holden. That would <laughs> that would be been great. James so, Holden. Like, Holden has taken all the wrong lessons from Miller, right? He, like, he. Yeah, he, he's got the worst of Miller. <laughs> he knows, like, what Miller can do. He knows that Miller is capable of, like, getting into these dangerous situations and talking people down. What he doesn't have is the ability to understand the correct context yes. to use those skills in um, that Miller did have. Uh, because of his, assumedly because he was a cop for so long, uh, which again in real life probably not going to actually train you to be able to use those well. But Miller, seemingly, you know, was able to. He did it multiple times where he was able to people in, uh, you know, dangerous situations, crowd situations. Um, he was able to get people to listen to him and be calm down. Yeah, to disperse. Um. Holden is just not experienced in that, right? So he's he can try. He just doesn't he's not very good at it. Sucks at most things. Yeah, so he's trying to talk them down, doesn't work well. Naomi comes in, basically threatens them with a, a neat little trick and says, Hey, we're gonna he fake calls Alex. Or is it Alex or Amos? I think it's Am Amos. And says, hey, I got this ship um, at this coordinate. If it takes off, blow it up. <laughs> so, in which course, uh, Amos plays along. 
And uh, this is like the second time they've used this kind of. But um, this little trick of, hey, we got somebody who can shoot you down. Uh, but yeah. And it, it works like a charm. They're like, all right, we'll just leave. <laughs> uh, which is honestly a good move for them. Because so Holden, while it, it didn't work and he was bad at it, like, like it, he got me with that logic. Like, dude, you're not going to be able to hold off these whatever this crowd of a billion people with six security guards with stun lasers and and whatever a badge like you're you're gonna lose this battle here bud um but they uh then that starts the frenzy trying to get the food and uh we see mr prax um and i love the altercation he's like because <laughs> prax is like are you james holden and holden's like be honest does the beard does the beard help at all? <laughs> like, no, my guy. Your your one disguise that you did is is not working. Didn't is it not no. this book? Were they I'm thinking of something else. I'm like mixing this up with Harry Potter. I swear they do disguises later and th they can do them like way better. Maybe it's not this book. Not like this. I'm pretty sure later in the series they do disguises better than this. I, I just why I don't think they have a reason for disguises in book three or four. Maybe not, but it's uh, God, it's uh, I can remember. It's bad. It's bad. Um, and then so Prax is like, you gotta help me. Holden refer first refers him to the the mission ship, and he's like, no, I like need help. Like you gotta help me, <laughs> and. Prax uh, master of words an absolute praxis oh got him i mean holden's like uh goes with it though he looks at naomi naomi's like whatever you want my dude you're my guy you're my boy blue and then uh so they go along with it what a great way to end this we it's like we planned this out it's like it was the perfect set of chapters because uh because this is we got to see prax and holden meet and uh yeah Holden says, okay, what's the problem? Classic Holden. And then we go on a journey. Then a set of bad things happens. I can't wait. Yep. Who's excited? I'm excited. Um, Dude, what are we doing for... Uh, That's it. Things? What things? We have... Megastructures? Yeah, Megastructures for Science Tuesday. Yeah. So we're talking about Megastructures because... I think what got us onto this was just the whole like dome cities and the domes, the domes, and we we looked up other mega structures and thought they'd be interesting to talk about. And... There's like tons of mega structures in the Expanse universe, right? Like all this, like Sarah Station, Tycho Station, all the like freaking massive the Martian uh, freaking yeah, domes Mars, and cities, Mars, the Martian domes, yeah, the Ganymede. I mean. Frick, even domes and series station any of the huge asteroids like that's a huge yes mega structure that they had the to build gas mines that they imply exist on other moons of jupiter there's and Saturn. a lot of stuff going on in this. this shit's huge this is way bigger than like we can comprehend too big currently yeah yes too big so it's, it's too big to give different. you an idea what they call mega structures now they're saying the great wall of china which is... It's a short list. <laughs> it, it is very short. The Great uh -huh. Wall of China is freaking nuts, though. 
Oh yeah, no, uh, the Great Wall of China is very big. The list is short. It's amazing they did that. <laughs> the list is short. It's yeah, weird. I mean, it's ironic. Not it, dude. If everybody's a mega structure, then no oh, one true. is. True. So true. It, it has to be short. Wow. It really makes you think. Definitely. <laughs> so controversial. Actually, so the size of a mega structure is relative, right? So like these in the expanse, maybe Seri Station isn't considered a mega structure because i think it still is yeah it probably is maybe the great wall of china though isn't it's definitely pales in comparison i think it would still take even advanced civilization a while to make the great wall of china it's four thousand miles almost it's long as shit i don't know and i don't think anyone here is denying that the great wall of china isn't long anyone here who among us (laughs) uh then they have the rice terraces of the philippine this is one we just learned about. This one, while it looks incredibly cool, I don't know how big it is. It says it's 10,000 square kilometers. So, oh, okay. Well. 4,000 square miles. <laughs> like, that's pretty crazy. So, they basically uh, needed right. a way to farm, to grow rice on hills slash mountains. And so okay. then they built these stepping um, agricultural things and figured out how to do it. And it's. It's pretty cool to see if you're near a computer or a phone. Look at them. Who would be? They're, they're pretty neat. Near. Uh, they say skyscrapers. They don't really give a thing. I I imagine the one in the Dubai. There's a lot. I, they basically say that like most skyscrapers are generally. I, they're pretty impressive if you think about it. Like we just yeah. have these yeah. things built like very high up in the air. They they're basic. They're kind of like their own cities. Like they could house enough to be considered a small city. All Even over. though most of them are used for like offices, but pretty cool, pretty cool. Pretty cool that, honestly, it's pretty cool that they don't fall over all the time. In my opinion. Another, yeah, I mean, math, but another they thing I think over. could be on here is like the big, uh, um, like aircraft carriers. Those things are freaking massive and are basically oh, yeah. like floating those cities. Yeah, those are that's, absolutely huge. That's pretty wild. Um, and then they have the hydron collider. Yeah, which is really big. 27 kilometer ring smashes particles together. I I wish I'd better at uh, understanding um what that they did with it. I don't I couldn't tell you. So they they find out like what happens when things hit each other really fast, which is cool. Things, yeah, things be And they I think that's where they learned about like sparks and stuff, which is cool, but um that's all i got that's all i got and we're not smart enough to dive into that so let's let's get into some theoretical stuff what's your favorite theoretical uh theoretical megastructure um the death star oh my god wait that's not (laughs) is that in here that's not it's i mean it's fictional not theoretical (laughs) what's your favorite planet the death star (laughs) <laughs> it's not well technically i guess it's like an artificial you just planet, i yeah. like turtles me uh, yeah that, okay but it is you could it theoretically build it but it's a it's a fictional one didn't answer the question correctly but the death star is pretty cool that it's big how question. big is the death star dude it's huge don't it's, give me a number my guy 100 uh, kilometers in diameter yeah see? Boom. that's big that's actually not as big as I thought it was, but still big. Like, how big that's, is Ceres in diameter? That's no moon. How big is the moon in diameter? That's no moon. Way bigger than that. It's like I know, thousands. but I'm wondering. 
You're one diameter. It's a third of, of the Earth. Diameter of the Moon uh, is. How do you spell series? I'm sorry. The radius is. 1,737 kilometers. So it's about yeah. 3,400 kilometers. So series is way almost 1,000 kilometers. So, um, oh, it would be way smaller than series. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tiny boy. But this it's is also made, like it's completely made from uh, like metal or whatever. Right, of course. It's just funny. Like in that, in a couple of those movies, they make it look way bigger than a hundred kilometers across. Though. Yeah, it's like next to some moons. They're like it's the size of a small moon. Yeah, which I guess true. it's a, a real technically small moon. is, but um, and it still like would be incredible if we actually made this, but impossible, right? I think we that's could. A thing. Like we could. I did, I think we could. I believe in us. It would be a hell of a feat, though. Um and so probably what's not another it. so yeah some of the the theoretical real ones that i guess are approved by dakota approved. Uh, approved we've got a dyson sphere those are dope and i think important for life probably eventually like we need um, to get the energy so we gotta take the energy from the star and a, put it somewhere a dyson else. sphere for those who don't know is basically you encapsulate the sun um so then you can capture all the energy from the sun. Is it a bunch of solar panels or is it like something else? Basically. That basically what it is. Yeah. Basically. Uh, you're basically, you're encapsulating the sun by either, you can either do like mirrors and concentrate it and then capture the energy or like, yeah, solar panels. Um, it's, there's also like different ways to do it. Like they call it like a swarm. So instead you have like, instead of like a structure of the sphere, you have like a bunch of satellites that like come together and kind of like make the sphere is kind of cool but um yeah it's basically you're big putting a bunch of solar panels around the sun capturing all the energy you can which is rad like that's a lot of energy very cool the other one that's relatively familiar for most people i think reading some of these theoretical ones give it to me this is called the name isn't doesn't make any sense to me the populace <laughs> but it's basically the idea is that it's a large tube that is part of a spaceship and it spins in space to provide gravity. And we've seen this within the Expanse itself. The Naboo uh -huh. had one of these and it was going to be used to make gravity so that they could live kind of like normally. But um, yeah, this is kind of a common, this is kind of a common sci-fi thing. Uh, the artificial gravity rotating drum situation. Dude, I love one of these. One of the, one of the fictional ones is in Sonic the Adventure 2, Shadow the Hedgehog, the Eclipse Cannon is a planet-destroying WMD built inside of the Space Colony Arc. Wait, a, a planet-destroying... Wait, in Sonic the in Hedgehog? In Sonic the Hedgehog 2, there's an, a planet-destroying cannon. I did not know that's, this. That's extremely cool. I need it's to play Sonic rad. Adventure 2, apparently. Oh my god, it's, it's a rip-off of the Death Star. Oh, well, like the cannon, the cannon looks exactly like the side of the Death Star, which is fair. Um, nice, but still, yeah. A Warhammer. There's, a, there's literally an entire section uh, in this in this Wikipedia page dedicated to Star Wars. Yeah, I love that. There's a lot of great. mega structures in Star Wars. That's why we love Star Wars. That's why 
why we do Star Wars. Or Coruscant is basically a megastructure in and of itself because it's just one big city. Yeah. Pretty cool. Big machine. One big machine. Like me. Have you seen the other thing that's cool? I don't know how to pronounce this, but I've like seen designs right. and pictures of this. Um, is the it's like called the the stellar? It's a type of stellar engine. So you're basically using the uh, oh, you're talking about this thingy here, the thruster, yeah, yeah. the of structure. I think it's Shkadov. So it's basically an engine using the sun's power to propel the sun through space. Why would you do would be that? awesome? Because then we can so theoretically, like right, the the Milky Way is gonna gonna combine with Andromeda, right? And right. we we might get fucked. But like right. if we try to move ourselves away by propelling the sun, <laughs> which will we then take drag our planets. galaxy and push it exactly, dude. Yeah, yeah. SpongeBob yeah. is on the case. I'm into that. Um. It uh and like theoretically this could work, which is would that not use up the power? Would that not like the sun? You don't know the power. I, the sun has so much power that it's like, I it would take a lot of energy to move the solar system, sir. <laughs> but if the sun has so much power, like I the it's yeah relative yeah it's gonna be a lot of power, but you can. It's it's so much energy that it like moving it, and I think it says. Uh, what does it say here? Um, something about mass reflectivity. All right. So yeah, this isn't very fast. So it says after a period of one million years, it would yield an imparted speed of twenty meters per second. So we're not we're not moving. We're not like this would be to like save us. We're like where we in a situation where we did the calculations. We're like fuck. In a thousand years, we're going to hit this unless we move the sun. <laughs> so then we'd build this and probably displace ourselves, uh, whatever, away from that in Basically, that amount of time. There's no way that we'd ever do something like this because a thousand years in advance, no one would ever agree. No to one it. would care. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it would be cool. Conceptually, we'd, we'd start at like with 200 years to go, we might start and try. It would be then, fun. I mean, just to do like, it. What are you? What else are we doing with our lives? Let's build a stellar engine. We're we're like we're arguing about yeah stuff. It probably wouldn't. Uh, probably would never happen. But I thought it was cool that we could do. We this. just can't. We just can't see that far in the future. We just can't make decisions that far in the future. We're not capable. Of yeah, doing we can't it. make decisions like five years in the future, like to help no. ourselves. So I don't. No. There's I mean, no way we're. Uh, we do budgets every year. Can't do a budget more than one year in advance. That'd be silly. Yeah, see? Yeah, even you. <laughs> even you. I do budgets. I budget. More than one year in advance? Um, depends. See? I don't know what you count. Like, see? I do, like, you know, you, like, make <laughs> savings for, like, so I'm, like, I'm going to buy a car in whatever five years. So I, for I, like... one, have budgeted my entire life already. Thank you. <laughs> well, I kind of do that, too, right? Like, you, like, look at, like, all right, if I want to retire at this age, then, like, I need to put this much away each month. Yeah, technically. And then, yeah, that boom. Is, that do be true. But, like, the government doesn't even do that, though. Or, like. Freaking government. The... <laughs> Don't get me started about the government. <laughs> Welcome uh, to a podcast where we yell about the government. 
<laughs> old man yells at sky that's what we do baby. what we do need to do is unless you wanted to talk about one more mega structure is no, to talk I about our Malgutowski employee of the month which is this is an interesting one i don't know who you're going to choose um i have hard. two nope only one i have two that i'm thinking of um let me see first? your oh you want me to go first okay no, no no i can go first um i think you should go first then i'll tell I think you it'll, i wonder i wonder if you'll be surprised by this um holden uh, my my no no of course not of course not Come well on. you said i was gonna be surprised yeah i my, well i don't know because it's it is like an unlikely pick um because it's out of nowhere um but i think Kevin martins is my employee of the month stupid for this <laughs> <laughs> idiotic where's pick guy. he's trying to help picks. he's trying to help what? no one else does anything remotely good amos cool in these chapters. amos Oh, he threatens people. He, right. he saves their lives. Without Amos, the whole rest of the book doesn't happen. Uh, he's written to say a joke that's slightly offensive. Fantastic, Amos. Written to say. That's not his fault. To be fair, Amos He's distracting. Is, Hold it. He is... I don't know. It does... I mean, he is implied to not necessarily be 100% straight. So... No, he's definitely not. He's definitely yeah. not. Well, I mean, he's, uh, he's definitely bi, at least. He's yeah. definitely attracted to... Yeah. More than one right. sex. So maybe that it doesn't really I don't know, but we don't know that yet. So like I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not giving it to Amos. Amos is a good guy. Good well, guy. he's arguably not a good guy at all. But <laughs> there are some there are some reasons for him to be not a he has a bad past. He had a right. tough upbringing. Not fun. Uh yeah, tough stuff. But another one I'm proposing is Papa. Good. Daddy, uh... Oh, Bazia? Yeah. Um, Because he's trying to help a friend in need. Even even knowing what we know about how that ends up? Yes. I think he's doing the best with the info he has right now. Like, you can't be like... Yes, but there is info that he doesn't have. He's doing the best with the info he has, so to me, that's a win. That's... If we're not looking, we don't know technically. When we're, we're picking the employee of the month, you don't look and say, you don't look four months later and be like, wow, that actually was a stupid decision. That actually was not ideal. But uh, still. You're, gonna, you're going to regret this really hard. Really hard. I think Papa Quackatoa. That was not right, but we'll let you, I'll let it slide. What is his name? Quackatoa Ka- is the volcano. Cacao? <laughs> <laughs> Katoa Daddy. Katoa Daddy. Katoa Daddy. Um, I, I, I think that's fair. I think I think Basia was one of the better actors in these chapters as well, even though he did beat the shit out of our boy Prax. He had what? Okay, Prax hit him first. Yeah, which man, I don't I again I don't think there's any way Prax ever wins employee of the month. Man, my guy Oh he's no, he's got player. loser of the month written all over him. He automatically wow. wins. I think we talked about this in the last episode, but he wins loser of Prax the Prax Award every oh, every yeah, time yeah. this book. Yes. Oh my god. Uh, oh. Bad. Yeah, I think I like Daddy Katoa. To be honest. Um, I I will give that one to you. Um, count it for this week. So I'll I think that you have won this week. I've won I this agree. battle. But that's fine. I don't. I don't feel like arguing too strongly in favor of Captain Martin's, even though I feel like he 
did a good job. And I do think he genuinely does want help Bobby Doubt it. work through some things at the moment. Okay. I think That's we it. Did it. I think we did it. Tell us where they That's can find the us. Where can you lovely people find us? Yes. You can find us at the guys who did this on Facebook and Instagram at guys who did this on Twitter. No, the you can support the show at the guys who did this on Patreon. And if you have a correction, comment, or question, email us at the guys who did this at gmail.com. Awesome. And then the music for this episode was Racing Light by Kilobyte from Night Mode Records. And that is going to do it for chapters 6 through 11 for The Expanse Book 2. Hope you all enjoyed it. Hope everyone has a safe and sexy weekend. Wow. Bye.